To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. No, I probably had COVID like 74 times. I have no clue and I don't care. Everybody liked Blanche. Because Blanche was a pig who took it in the ass. Did you smell your poop? Did you learn anything? Did you read about the dog story? is my ex-girlfriend who I despise calling me. A lot to blame on the news. It's a lot to blame on Anthony Fauci, that Italian leprechaun. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go yourself. PositiveSarcasm.com Recording here from the Spare Parts Find me on Instagram At underscore sarcasm At Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm You can also find me on alternative networks Such as Gab AI, Minds, and Wisdom At Positive Sarcasm On those channels uh, If you're just not in the mood to do social media I totally understand You can always email me directly PositiveSarcasm at Outlook.com Or you can contact me straight through my website No, uh, Your data is not sold off for any reason whatsoever Hell, if I wouldn't even know how to do it if I wanted to. But you can contact me directly through my website, PositiveSarcasm.com. Click on the contact page. You can also like, subscribe, share. You can stream anything. Everything there is free to download. Uh, or, of course, if you want to donate, PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Uh, I want to uh, state the obvious. Not that I look good, but, well, there you go. Um, I am exhausted. <laughs> am I always exhausted? I don't know. Maybe I should be like Post Malone and just get that shit tattooed like right here on my face. I am tired. I'm tired often. Um, I wake up early. I work very hard. I have high energy and I generally exhaust myself throughout the day. Whether I'm just, I'm, I'm working myself to the bone, working on new projects, constantly on the go, always doing something, working out, too much coffee, not sleeping properly, um, waking up at 5 a.m., waking up at 6 a.m., doing client work. It doesn't stop. Um, got into an argument. It's like, when are you going to slow down and relax? It's like, well, when I die of dementia or when I have a stroke. I don't know when I'm going to stop. I don't know how. I think at this point with my life with, you know, how my father passed away, it's there's no room in my life for laziness or, or, or just chilling out per se. I'm always looking for that new angle. And it upsets me greatly because I haven't really been able to put out any creative content. I've been mainly focused on the podcast and the music reaction channel, which now that my uh, mouth is healed to the points post my wisdom teeth surgery, I'm able to get back into doing that. But as far as like my main channel, my, my, my baby, my concept channel, I haven't, my creativity is at an all time low for multiple reasons. One, because the current climate however, of how everything that's going on, um, it, it's hard to really dive into one subject without ignoring the obvious per se. I would like to approach these subjects, but I'm not really sure how or and I don't want to take a stab at it. I mean, I don't mind failing, but I don't want to. F I don't know. It, it, it just it, it doesn't seem like it's there. Um, and then going and doing like events, it's like, well, what event do we want to do? What event do I want to go do without wasting my time? You know, uh, I used to go to Boston or to like Cambridge or whatever and go and shoot events there all the time. But security is different. 
health protocols are different. That's <laughs> you know, that's an annoying thing. Um, so what do I want to shoot on my own? I loved shooting co creative concepts. It's like, where do I want to go? What do I want to shoot? How do I want to shoot it? You know, and it's not so much for not just so much for like a, a passing audience, but to keep my creative juices flowing. And right now they're kind of at that roadblock. It's like, I don't know what to do. Um, and restrictions are still high with, it's just, you know, you can't even walk into the back of a church without somebody eyeballing you. Like this is private property. It's like, what? I don't know. I'm mean, just, it, it's, it's a multitude of things that are preventing me or not really preventing me, discouraging me. Because nobody prevents me from doing anything. But I am I am emotionally discouraged from wanting to shoot anything creative right now. But I need to break that I need to break that rhythm. A real or I need to break that wall down and do something about it. Because it is driving me nuts that there's perfectly good stuff just sitting there not doing anything. And that can also hurt that also does hurt my creativity and my ability to focus on my gear when I'm out shooting weddings or other people's events, you know, paid things like that. It uh, it can it can compromise my ability to be creative or not or or see angles that most people wouldn't see. Or react to my equipment when it's not behaving properly or not getting to the rhythm of cleaning it when I'm out on the site on location. It's it's things that it can be costly. It can be costly for sure. So these are things that I'm working on. I just want to say like yeah, I, I am tired. I'm definitely tired. Uh, I'm pretty sure I, I maybe fall, fell, almost fell asleep on the last podcast, but that wouldn't be the first time. It would not be the first time. So um, just to throw that out there, yeah, I get tired sometimes, a lot. And I'm it's because I am putting forth so much effort, sometimes too much effort into things that don't really necessarily require them, but that's a decision that I decide, nobody else. I decide if it's something that doesn't require my attention or it doesn't require any more of my attention, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Just wanted to get that out there that, yeah, I get tired sometimes. I do. Mm. Speaking of tired, well, that being said, so my car was just sitting there in the parking lot today and all of a sudden, a bunch of freaking turkeys, like a herd of turkeys or whatever you call them, gaggle of turkeys, okay. A bunch of assholes with wings and beaks start roaming around my car, which is pretty shiny because it's been it, it's, it gets waxed like every other week, so it's pretty shiny. The thing with these goddamn turkeys is when they see the reflection in something, they like to peck at it. So they start roaming around my car, and I think they're pecking at it or they're trying to look into it or whatever. And I find out about it, and I'm fuming. So I slide down this hill on my knees, chasing full speed after these birds. I was pissed. I'm like, don't be, don't be putting your beak into my paint job. If I see your your head stuck in my clear coat, I will break your fucking neck. Or my dog will do it for you. Chase is more than happy to go ahead and take down a turkey and make Thanksgiving early. No problem with that. I have no problem breaking a wild turkey's neck. None whatsoever. Or him doing it for me and getting all the pleasure. Whereas I get all the food. We'll share our joys. Absolutely. We will get we will both bask in victory of a turkey whom's whose whom's life he just sucked out of it by crushing on a stupid fucking <coughs> No problem whatsoever. You gotta be careful though. That's if you live in an area where there's turkeys, they will happily peck at your bumper, the side of your car. You'll be like, where do all these dents come from? bunch of asshole turkeys that's where it came from so you need to keep that in mind 
Mm. Speaking of Chase, my best friend, right now, he's sitting in what is arguably the largest bean bag ever created. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard. I may have discussed it on the podcast a long time ago, but I've, I've thankfully acquired um, a giant bean bag known as a love sack. There is a company called Love Sack, L-O-V-E-S-A-C. Um, actually have a picture of the freaking actual love sack itself. This thing is ridiculous. So imagine a 70 pound North Carolina plot hound sitting in a arguably 95 pound bean bag made with this like special foam. So this thing fits like you could fit like three to four people in this thing. It's big too. I mean, it's obnoxious, but to him, it's just like a giant bean bag. I mean, he's 70 pounds resting comfortably in the middle of this damn thing. And it sinks in beautifully to the point where it's like, oh, I want to get out. Oh, but I can't. Oh, I'm going to try again. Oh, but never mind. It's perfect. I, I, I've sat in it maybe twice. Whereas I notice him on the security camera every damn day in the thing since, I, since he's gotten it. It's the best. It's the biggest dog bed ever. It would probably fit a few and probably like a little chihuahua at the top. But it's made by a company called Love Sack, and I actually have their website up. So if you're trying to get a better idea, if you wanted to acquire them, just to let you know, this is the this is the Love Sack, the big one in wombat fur, which is pretty cool. Well, I think it's fake fur, P H U R, but that thing that's a pretty sweet looking cover. So nice one with their kids. This is the big one. It's right now you could buy it for twelve hundred dollars. Twelve hundred. 95 pounds, six feet wide, four feet high. So right now, the one that I have lying down um, is basically, I think, six feet wide. Um, the reason it's not four feet high right now is because it has, um, excuse me, a big cutie lying in the middle of it right now. This picture wasn't taken; was taken not too long ago. But yeah, he's in that right now, and it's big it's probably as wide as it's easily as wide as a queen size bed and three quarters of the length probably 80 percent of the length of a queen size bed and he fits in perfectly with it he absolutely just loves it he thinks it's for him so for 1200 bucks you can get that um there's also a a smaller size known as the super sack which is almost a thousand dollars that's five feet wide and uh, almost four feet high that's about 75 pounds now do i i don't exactly know which one i have it's either the super sack or it's the big one but if you're looking to get like a giant beanbag thing like that well you can get them for as little as like two to three hundred bucks but this one's gigantic super high quality uh comes with a cover and it's already pre-filled you don't have to fill it um so this one basically best used in rooms with lots of space to spare. Super soft fill is made of premium shredded Durafoam, which unlike bean filled bags absorbs body weight evenly and doesn't compress over time. Each sack shrinks down to one eighth its volume for maximum shipping efficiency with free delivery. Plus you'll enjoy a lifetime guarantee on sack inserts as well as a three year warranty on sack covers. That's pretty sweet. Um, over 200 cover options to update your look. They're washable. Well, the covers are. 
60-day home trial, guaranteed for life, proprietary design, free shipping. I mean, that's pretty cool. So, okay, here's the sizes right here. Um, this is the super sack, and this is the big one. So I'm pretty sure the one that I have is the big one. They get all the way down to these little gamer sacks over here, which is pretty cool. Um, this pillow sack one is pretty sweet, though. 36 pounds, approximately 4.5 feet wide, six, uh, almost 6.5 feet long. That's perfect if it's just going to be you chilling, like watching TV. That's excellent. That's essentially a chaise lounge. That's excellent. Uh, movie sacks by yourself. Um, and I think if you want one that's going to be like a love seat, I think you want to go with the super sack or the big one. The big one's a guarantee. Like you can fit two people in there, like who are just going to be chilling out on a love seat. A love seat. That's perfect. Just FYI though, when to t if you do fluff this thing and the two of you go to sit in it, guaranteed you're going to be right next to each other. That's kind of the whole point of a love of a uh, a giant bean bag. But it is perfect. Is it a bit? You can't pick it up and move it. Um, with just one person. Well, you can, but you have to roll the fucking thing. Um, and it doesn't fit easily through doorways. <laughs> you kind of have to like run at it. Um, so that's one of the things I've been, I've been, I, I had the challenge of trying to roll it through my front door, but it is pretty awesome. And my best buddy is sitting in it right now and he's seems to be quite enjoying it. He passes out relatively easy in it until I get into bed. And then he's like, Oh, I'm going to go lay in bed. Cause that's essentially his home is, you know, on my chest, passing it, passed out at night. Mm. So as I sip my Illy's coffee, I did have a couple articles to get to. Um, I really just wanted to get the intro out of the way uh, about my visible exhaustion, about how tur turkeys wanted to fuck with my clear coat, and uh, the fact that my uh, my best friend has a giant love seat. But there was a couple articles I wanted to get to today before we blows we blew up some Q and A. Um, this is an article I've talked about before, but it, I mean it. it it begs to be talked about again. Where, courtesy of WMUR, hospitals in New Hampshire struggle to hire staff. Uh, hospital systems struggle to hire staff, saying burnout is real. Okay, well, why was it burnout? So, New Hampshire hospitals getting creative to try to address the ongoing staffing shortages. Hospital officials, they say, have been struggling with staffing shortages for years. Jeff O'Brien, who is the COO, Chief Operating Officer of Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center, which is up in a town called Hanover, New Hampshire, Hanover slash. Lebanon, and they also have a college called Dartmouth College attached to it, said that part of the problem is finding people who want to work in a healthcare and contributing factor is the state's lack of housing. DHMC has put programs in place to try to fill positions across the board. Quote, we took every non-clinical person and administrative person and manager in the organization and we took them out of their role and put them in to work in the clinical setting or in a service setting, O'Brien said. It's not usual today to still go down and see somebody who was a practice manager in an outpatient clinic actually working the dish line in the kitchen. O'Brien said DHMC hired 25% more employees in 2001 than it did in 2020. And he said there's still 25,000 vac uh, 25, vacancy rate. Okay. Well, I can tell you this. In, 25, in 2001, they may have hired 25% more employees than they did in 2020. Uh, but in 2000... Um, FYI, in like 2016, they had a layoff. And I think back in 2010, there was probably, they've had a couple layoffs in the past 20 years. There was one, especially, there had to have been one in 2008, 2009 during the housing market crash. And there was another one in 2016, 2017, somewhere around there, there was another layoff. So it has happened. So whatever they're talking about, and also the fact that during COVID, they sent a bunch of people home. To obviously work at home 
Now, what is their policy on that? We don't know. I can tell you this, though. If you want to work in a hospital, you have to be vaccinated. Or, excuse me, let me put it correctly, jabbed. You have to be jabbed in, to, in order to work at a hospital, in order to work at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. So, there are those who probably did not want to get that, and then since has been released or have found other jobs. So, if you're struggling to hire employees, what the fuck do you want? First of all, working in an in a actual hospital sucks. Working in a clinical setting sucks. Working as an administrative in a hospital setting sucks. So what do you do in that scenario? Give more benefits? Up the pay? Okay. What is your And who are your candidates? Are these people actually flipping the bill? And then their quality practices are all over the fucking place. They're hiring whomever and whatever they can get at this point. And they still are 25% vacant in their 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 uh their in their candidates. They can't find they're still 25% short of their actual where their of their target is. Well, you're not willing to hire unvaccinated employees. What for whatever reason, obviously there was the mandate that came down that um, spared non-clinical employees, but when it came to the hospital setting, so there's that. Now, is it necessarily Dartmouth Hitchcock's fault? Maybe, but in their non-clinical departments, do they have to hire? I don't know. Quite frankly, you know, uh, it's not a position I would want to be in. And in working for a hospital right now, not a position I would want to. I would not want to be in a hospital setting at all right now, in any capacity. The job would be shit to begin with. And to keep people, to hire people, has to be high. And to keep them is even higher. So poaching people, poaching nurses, poaching clinical assistants, poaching administratives from other hospitals and other clinical practices is 100% part of the game right now. It's part of public safety for sure. So if you're working in a hospital setting you have, and you want to stay in that hospital setting and you've been jabbed, unfortunately, um, you have a pick of the litter of where you want to go. So if you even have a minor resume, you can go get paid somewhere else. And you can just do the salesman rotating shift. You can go from hospital to hospital to hospital and just get paid. And your, uh, and your skills don't even have to improve. Just like working at a college. Your skills don't have to improve. You can just be tenured for the rest of your life. So is there situation going to continue to, to stay where it is? Yeah. Number one, also, people don't want to work. People don't want to work at all. A lot of people don't want to work. Unemployment's low because people don't want to work. They're still getting tons of benefits. And then there's those who are super nihilistic who just don't want to work in general. So that's not going to... That, that compared with... So when you tack on shitty work environment, vaccination policy... Uh, nihilism and, and, and not wanting to work at all mixed with benefits that you're getting by just not working. Well, there you go. That's a recipe for disaster, especially for a hospital or a clinical setting right now. And in a state like New Hampshire, where one of your primary, uh, where one of the primary uh, markets to work in is indeed healthcare. Where's your options? And it, you still can't get people to work for you? That's on you. 100% on you. But I just wanted to mention that because that's still an ongoing issue. Uh, Chase, what are you doing? Hey, don't hit the camera. 
So that that being said, what are you doing? Come over here. Come over here. Get over here. Sit down. Sit down. Sit. Sit. Obviously, sit in the office. Sit down. I want you to sit. I want you to be a good boy. I want you to not knock my camera over like you did last time. This isn't the first time you've done that. So sit down. Sit down. Thank you. God, you were the. You know you're the cutest fucking face. Hey, I'm trying to. He does this every time. If you're new to this podcast, this is something he does where he essentially likes to, when I'm grabbing the mouse, puts my hand on my, he puts his head on my thigh and then knocks my hand out of the mouse. This is something he likes to do because he wants attention because he knows I'm going to, he knows I'll give it to him. Right, pal? Right? Come here. Put your head on my lap. Put your head on my lap. Now sit down. Yeah. You're a good boy. I know. I know. God. These are the eyes of a goddamn angel, that's for sure. Um, that being said, I got one more article that I wanted to talk about. Was it one more article? Yeah, I did. I wanted to hit up the... There was an article from Amazon, uh, how they're changing their pay scales because uh, apparently their last one was not that good. So we're going to move on to that, and then we're going to close up shop with some Q&A. There you go, buddy. There you go. Sit down. All right. Let's get right after it. Um, but I'm petting him. I'm going to go ahead and use my left hand. <laughs> no jokes, please. There we go. Amazon's new pair. All right. So I'll read that verbatim. Uh, this is from Fortune Magazine uh, from July 22nd from Tristan Bove. Tristan Bove. All right. Let's just screw the title and actually get to the actual topic here. Uh, a leaked trove of documents highlighting what metrics managers at Amazon prioritize to evaluate performance and changes in compensation might shed light on companies' controversial performance review process. Internal manuals show that Amazon's managers are instructed to gauge employees based on two key factors. And this is the thingy they have now. This is managers are instructed to gauge employees based on two key factors. Uh, the insider reported out this week after reviewing the documents. Amazon bosses combine two main metrics in determining an employee's final review or overall value to the company. Their performance score and the potential they have exhibited. The process is known as 40. Or forte, and the highly and is highly relevant to Amazon employees, as their overall value is ultimately determines any change in compensation that they receive after the review. Amazon did not reply. Well, go fucking figure. Uh, first, Amazon managers are instructed to determine how employees have held up uh, the company's how the employees have held up the company's principles, and how this reflects whatever that means. Uh, how this reflects their particular strengths. This is done to, in a number of ways, including their accomplishments, feedback from colleagues, and for the first time, self-evaluations. Self-evaluations and an assessment of the employee's own accomplishments relative to their objectives were introduced earlier this year, after employees complained about managers having too much influence in the review process. These qualities are then used to measure against an employee's accomplishments and how they've achieved them. The rating is used to, de to decide the employee's performance score which combines evaluations of what their accomplishments have been and the manner in which they've achieved them. This performance result is ranked on a scale from one to seven, then combined with an evaluation of the employee's potential, ranked on a scale from one to four to finalize a review and score defining the worker's worth to the company or quote overall value. An employee's performance score can be low if he or she demonstrates quote questionable judgment, creates an overly complex or simplistic solutions to problems, does not share knowledge, and is dismissive, dismissing other viewpoints, or argues too much and does not speak up enough. Factors that can boost an employee's score 
include being reactive to customer needs, acting as a mentor, providing new ideas and discussions, and exhibiting a strong and adaptable work ethic. Uh, the review record, of course, for Amazon has been controversial. The new performance review instructions manual came out after the last one was received with heaps of controversy. Last week's documents, which were also reviewed by Insider, included a tiered metric for employees, which would fall into one of the five tiers. But the process had evidence of a stack ranking system, Insider reported, which required a certain percentage of employees to rank in each tier, sometimes forcing evaluators to give adequate employees lower scores to place them in a tier that had not been filled, that has not yet filled its quota, which could change their compensation changes, an employee told Insider. Unlike last year's document, the latest manual did not include any required quotas for separate, separate tiers. In a statement to reporters last year, Amazon denied using a, st a stack ranking system as they would. Amazon's performance review process also came under fire last year when an investigation by Vox found evidence of racial bias in the company's hiring and promotional practices, as well as its review and its rating systems. Later in the year, Amazon released a statement promising it would be investigating any statistically significant demographic differences in both its performance rating system and the company's attrition rate. Wait a minute. What was this investigation by Vox? And is it biased? Bias disrespecting the motions. Black employees say Amazon has a race problem. What? Interviews with diversity and manager, blah, 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 to obtain. Black Amazon employees are promoted with less frequency and rated more harshly than non-black peers. Well, that's funny. You wouldn't have guessed that by the amount of fucking uh, rainbow flags they were flying last month. Gee, how quickly that went away. Hmm. Here's to you, June. So yeah, when you get into these large corporate environments, don't be surprised if any of these hiring practices or one-on-one -on -one or performance review practices really are just repackaged garbage from some other company by some lawyer or some human resources department or uh, in, you know some staffing recruiting agency, some bullshit that's been repackaged and repurposed and relabeled and re-whatevered and then just thrown into this system. It's like, oh, we need new ideas. It's the same recycled garbage as it's always fucking been. It's never going to change. It's the same shit. It's the same shit that eventually just gets added on. It's like a shit cake. It's like a dry, shitty cake. We're just going to add another fucking layer to it. On top of this dry, shitty cake with the foundation that's been around since the beginning of a corporatism. And it's never going to change. It's just going to get drier and grosser and moldier and more bullshitty and more filled with other garbage. And then there's going to be diversity quotas. And then there's going to be this. It's. Why would you want to? I mean, I get it. If you're just looking for a job at this point to just get your shit in. Fine. And if you're fine working there. Great. But man, this is not, it does not seem like something you want to be doing for the rest of your life. If you are to be, uh, if you are to be staying in this type of workplace, if you are to be staying in this type of workplace, it's like, why? Okay. So if you want to stay in the workforce, like you want, you don't want to necessarily start your own company. You maybe want to work for a big company with a lot of benefits or whatever. This is not by any stretch the company that you want to be involved in. It's not. Not by any stretch of the imagination. This is not, this is, it, it doesn't, what are you buying into? What, uh, 
what is the word I'm looking for? Come on, come to me. I know you're there. Culture. What culture are you buying into? What's in it for you? You can get, I mean, is it true that you can actually get fired via text message? What are you, what are you achieving by working in the warehouse there? What are you achieving by driving trucks there? If you're just looking for a regular job, just, just pay the bills. Do you realize that fucking five guys down the street from me uh, is paying $18 an hour to work at five guys? And you get food and benefits? I'll be honest with you. I'd rather be surrounded by burgers and fries uh, in a clean environment than working for fucking Amazon. Or for even working for, for, for Dartmouth Hitchcock or working for a hospital right now. People's, people always want burgers and fries. And you can gain a lot of skill by being in that environment versus being in a hospital setting or being in an Amazon setting. The only skill you'll realize, the only one you'll obtain is being like, I'm never working in that fucking place again. You're better off working with burgers and fries at this point if you're going to be getting paid that much money. 18 bucks in the state of New Hampshire is around 37 to 38 grand a year. It's enough as a young person to get you started if you are not going to college or you're going to a two-year institution or you're working part-time or full-time at this institution. You're making 18 bucks an hour and you don't have any debt. That's the way to go. In my opinion, if you just don't know what to do, no. First of all, your schedule, if you are going to be working in the restaurant industry, it's going to be a little fucked out for a couple of years, but I could tell you this much. You're going to appreciate that routine after you're done working two or three years at a five guys for 18 bucks or 1825 or 1850 because you're going to get a raise if you do a good job and you're going to learn a lot of skills by working in the restaurant industry, restaurant slash retail slash service industry. You'll learn a lot and you can absolutely make that jump from the service industry into the corporate industry or into technology industry. There's a lot you can do. You can take those skills with you. There is a lot to be gained there. One of the most important things to be gained there is that you're not going to have corporate. You're not going to have that college debt. So working for Amazon, no thank you. Being in the healthcare industry, I did it for like fucking almost 15 years. I'm all set. Uh, we are at 29 minutes. We're going to go ahead and close up shop with some Q&A. And then we'll go, go ahead and get out of here for uh, this week. Um, thank you guys for all the comments on my new Positive Sarcasm Reactions channels. Uh, once again, thank you to the bride and groom that had me for their wedding last week uh, that I shot video for. Boy, man, I'm very... I, I'm always doubtful when I'm giving, giving... Not giving away my data, but I'm just selling the data that I shot from the wedding for them to edit it. Ugh. But hey, man, that's just... That's how, the, that's how the cookie crumbles, man. You take your shot when you can. Um, anyways... If you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. There's plenty of ways for you folks who want to get a hold of me. If you want to get posing music because you're a fitness competitor, if you're in the physique class for women, or if you're in classic physique or, or men's bodybuilding, you can email me directly, positivesarcasm at outlook.com, or you can go right to my website. You can view some of my custom demos, the older ones from way back in the day, 2013, 2014, or the newer ones. Whatever it is, feel free to email me. If you have questions, concerns, comments, or you need uh, you need video work done or whatever, or audio work done, you can hit me up through my website or you can contact me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. You can check out all my movie reviews there. You can check out all my, my older podcasts. It's like 275 of them, 280. How many am I up to now? Let's go ahead and just get an official number. Let me go ahead and close up this. Go here. Podcast Addict. Let's go to this one. 
and 275 episodes. You know, you know what sucks though? From 2014 to 2017, if I would have stuck with it and just learned how to do this fucking thing myself, that would probably be another five to 600, probably another three to 400 episodes banked. Would have really been nice if I would have realized a long time a long time ago to not fucking rely on people to be creative. Do it all yourself. That would have been a real a real plus to my mentality. It probably would have helped me through a lot of the emotional shit that I was going through back then because all then I knew how to do was just write. That's all I knew how to do. And that was very few and far between because, I mean, this would have been really, really helpful. And I highly advise you if you want to think about getting into podcasting or thinking about getting into writing or getting into audio work or getting into blind blogging or whatever it is, start being creative, start doing it now. There's plenty of websites and resources available to you to do this very, very easily. There's all, all kinds of free shit. This is not an expensive gig, okay? I'm surrounded by free stuff. This laptop was free. This webcam was like 30, 40 bucks. Um, the, the tripod um, was a Best Buy Rewards gift card. The microphone was given to me. This uh, microphone arm was, um, I bought this like seven years ago for like, I bought, excuse me, I bought it like five years ago for $10. This, mo- this uh, freaking monitor here was free. I don't even remember where I got this little uh, dual uh, multi-USB uh, hub thingy, but that must have cost next to nothing. They give those away at like freaking seminar events now. You know, I got eight mice. So it's like, I'm not missing anything. It's not, this is not an expensive venture. Really, you don't need the latest and greatest Windows 10 or Windows 11. I'm running Windows 7 on all my shit. Is that a security thing? Well, whatever. If a fucking hacker wants to break in, by all means, go nuts. What are you going to find? Jesus Christ, get over yourselves. So, that being said, it's a cheap gig. All this furniture and shit, most of this stuff is free. The Elon Musk picture, that was a gift. The parking thingy, found that at Hampton Beach. It was broken. The, uh, I mean, the, the... the only other thing that was that I actually did pay for was, of course, the American flag here with the 13 colonies, the origin, the origin flag that I actually paid for, that I had custom made. But for the most part, spare parts, still the very definition of this entire project, this life project that I've built. Very much spare parts. Absolutely. 100%. I stand by that statement. Anybody who tells you that you got to spend X amount of dollars to put this all together, they are so full of shit. They're so full of shit. Anybody who tells you you have to spend this much money to get this much material, to put, you need this much technology, you need this many hours, you need, forget it. All you need is the ability to sit down and learn the software, which is free, on the hardware that's free with extra products that are probably just laying around. Probably shit you're even finding on the side of the road. There is no reason why you should be emptying your bank account on a studio. There's absolutely no excuse for it. None. Don't ever think to yourself that you can't afford to do something like this. Where Mr. Beast literally, Mr. Beast of all people, started shooting content on an old iPhone. 
And now he has a giant production company and gets like, I don't know, 75 million views a freaking video he drops. And if, he, if it doesn't get that many views, he just pulls it. So come on, get with the program. All right, let's get to the dirty shit. Dig.com Q&A and then we'll close up shop for today. Should I give in to my husband's insistence that we allow his mother to take daily naps in our bed? My husband's mom moved in with us a week ago. The minute we were informed she was going to move in temporarily till our house gets renovated, we emptied a room specifically for her. It has everything, a bed with a frame, curtains, mounted TV, wardrobe, etc. She was thrilled with it and loved it a lot. One day I came home, found her in my bedroom, sleeping in mine, my husband's bed. I was confused, but she told me she took a nap on the bed and lost track of time. Since then, she started talking about how she loved to nap there and started hinting wanting to take naps in the bedroom from now on. I kept ignoring her comments till my husband sat down with me and told me that his mom really liked and got used to napping in our bedroom and we would she should just let her have a daily afternoon nap in the bedroom. I said absolutely not. We started debating. I told his mom it's being ridiculous. I told him his mom's being ridiculous because she has a whole room upstairs where she could nap. He got upset and said that I was making his mom feel uncomfortable and unwelcome with his with this attitude. I said no and refused to negotiate. He called me selfish and mean for saying no, preventing his mom from feeling comfortable at his house. But I reminded him that I pay full mortgage for the house while he blows money over gadgets and consoles. <gasps> he accused me of bringing old disagreements in this current conflict to use against him. I said no again and he should stop pushing me, pushing because I need the room for when he I got home feeling exhausted from working on my feet from 6 a.m. He's refusing to speak to me till I agree and let his mom have a nap in there. Um, look, a dog in the bed is not a, is not a mom in the bed. And if you set aside, look, her house is being renovated. If you gave her an entire bedroom with all the accoutrements that she can rest in, that she can nap in, that she can chill in, what the fuck is she doing in your bedroom? Get out. Kick rocks, mom. The fuck out of here. You have an entire... It's one thing... It's one thing if, you know, it's the only house or it's the only bed or she's crashing on the couch. Okay? She's got a whole room with a whole bed with all of her stuff. Go nap in there. Don't even nap on the couch. Go fucking keep your... uh, uh, uh What do you call it? Your routine in check, mom. Go into your room and go chill there. Your house is being renovated. Who's paying for it? I have no idea. But it's not like you're homeless. You're renovating your house. Go chill in your room. Go nap there. The husband's being unreasonable. I'm not even going to mention who's paying for the mortgage. That doesn't even... I'm not even going to bring that into the equation. It's just a matter of the dynamic of the house. Okay? The dynamic of the house is this. That's your room. That's your bed. The fact that I allow my dog on the bed is different. He's a member of the family. He's my best friend. He's my son. He is my emotional everything. So it's different. Him being there by my side is amazing. Moms are a little different. You're supposed to break that freaking, uh, uh, that emotional umbilical cord by the time you, you know, at least exit high school. <laughs> you know, that's being stretchy. So that being said, the writer here has every right to be like, I don't want your mom in my fucking bed, bro. Come on. Hopefully not, bro. That'd be creepy. Let's move on here. Can I ask a new hire to go by a different name since she has the same first name as me? We're in the process of interviewing and we've found a 
great candidate who might be ready to move forward with. A big snag, though, is that she has the same name as same first name as me. We work in a small office with less than 10 people, but we utilize over 300 volunteers, most of whom are 60 plus. Because of my position, I don't have day-to-day -day interaction with most of the volunteers. But it's important that they know that I'm the one in charge. We'll also be both be out in the community doing outreach events and again, events and again, it's important for the community to know the difference. Is it out of bounds uh, that I ask to go by, or ask her to go by a nickname? For example, if we're both named Amanda, could I ask her to go by Mandy? I don't know. Um, can you ask? You can ask. I guess you can ask. If it becomes an issue. If it becomes an issue where people can't decide who's who, I guess it wouldn't hurt to ask. But beyond that, it's like if they don't feel comfortable with it, it's not like ask. It's not. This is just. It's a name thing. It's the one thing a person has that is true to them. It's their name. Okay? Let's not make it anything more than that. It's their name. It's what they go by. It's what they feel comfortable with. Some people really get like sensitive about the name thing. It's like, I hate being called Mandy. You know, it's like, I. So it's like, whatever. But it's one of those things. You can ask. Maybe they go by something else. Okay, cool. So that is something to keep in, keep in consideration. But it's like, Going beyond asking is not something I would do. Let's move on to the next one. Is it unreasonable for me to for me to want to meet my exclusive monogamous partner in person? Ooh, I'm gonna have to read this one carefully. I've been in a long distance exclusive monogamous relationship for over a year now. I met him at work. We both work remotely. And he reached out and made his feelings clear. We had a great work relationship to begin with, so we always in touch. We were always in touch, and feelings just grew. We have never met in person, but video chat and talk multiple times a day. He seems to show he loves me a great deal. He stays in touch constantly, which to show me he's seriously serious and devoted. Now to the problem. He's still waiting to settle his separation from a longtime partner and things have been dragging for a long time. They've already separated when we met. He says he plans to see me in person when things settle with a separation, which looks like it may be a long time, or at least an unknown amount of time. We live in different countries, Jesus Christ. I can't travel to see him for financial or work or other responsibilities. While he doesn't have any such constraints, I worry about his lack of initiative and his resistance. It makes me think he's not serious or taking the granted the fact that I'll just wait around for him. I'm relatively young, but I feel, truly feel attached to this person. On the surface, we seem very compatible and truly enjoy each other's company. I've questioned him so many times, I feel like I shouldn't have to beg for somebody to put in the effort. Am I being unreasonable? Can his reasoning for not coming to see me, waiting, to his, uh, waiting for a separation to settle, be valid? Am I being unfair or selfish? Um, you're doing all this virtually you've never met the person then i mean absolutely it seems like there's something that's not being done not being said um and i don't think this is going to develop beyond what it is waiting for this to settle it's like all right you're in different countries too so look at all the boundaries all the hoops you have to jump through passports visas uh uh, uh you know culture barriers the fact that you've never met you're in different countries and then there's like a divorce or a separation going on. It's like, 
this point, you're just lonely. And I would just give a six-month ultimatum, three to six-month ultimatum, and then close up shop. Because if it does, and, and that's it. Because what are you going to do after that, after you finally meet? It's like, all right, what are you going to meet for like a week? And then they take off back to their country. And when after you, I mean, there's too many variables after that. It's not worth it. There is a there is a matter of convenience with with effort and love and all that other stuff. Great. There's also a matter of convenience. There is a, the there is a pathway. It's like okay, it, if we do this, this, and this, and it makes it a little more convenient. It doesn't make the relationship as stressful for us to see each other and spend time with one another. Cool. These are things to take into consider. Things are things to take into consideration, as you should. But if you're living in different countries and it's virtual, it's like, pfft. all right, tried it, I'm out. Let's continue on with the next one. Should I tell my husband's friend? I've had a crush on him for two years and I still think about him every day. Oh boy. I have a huge crush on my husband's. I have a huge crush. Sorry, I bit my tongue this morning. I have a huge crush on my husband's friend, Shane. I think about him daily and fantasize about him every night. He used to come into the place where I work once a month. I wanted to tell him back when I, how I felt, but I chickened out. I want that macaque. I recently changed jobs, and then he came. He came. He came into where I work now. I made a point of talking to him, but said nothing about how I feel. I'm sure he could tell by the way I was smiling. I went to the races when Shane was racing, and he wanted to tell him then. My husband was there and went over to talk to him. So I stayed sitting on the bleachers. When my husband returned, he said, Shane asked him where I was. Abby, I have felt this way for two years. Oh, Abby was the original writer that they're talking to. Because um, remember, on dig.com, they write to somebody. I'm really just putting in my two cents where it's not asked for. I felt this way for two years. My husband and I have been married for seven. When I'm driving home from work, I fantasize about Shane riding in the car with me. Uh, I hurry to get into town, hoping I'll see him at a gas station or passing by. I'm considering contacting him or a messenger. I never thought about my husband this way. Please give me some. Uh, wait, hold on a second. You're married. So what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Like I, I, I get it. I, I've, I've felt this way ab about a certain person. But this per, you know, this is. It's like I've accepted. We've accepted the fact that this is something that's never gonna happen. You know, that person's married, and you know, it's not that they're older. It's just they're they have a certain lifestyle that they chose. And it's completely under we've we that's base essentially understood, but you know we appreciate the shit of each other, but it's not gonna happen. It wouldn't. We wouldn't want to compromise each other's situations. So it's like, at that point, if you're married and you want to stay married, why would you want to break? This whole can of bullshit open about you being like, oh, I've always, I've always thought about you and blah blah blah. It's like, uh, hold on, you're still married. You don't want to open up this can of worms right now, and you don't want to go on messenger, and you don't want to do this thing. This is how shit gets weird. This is how shit falls apart. You don't want to go down this road. You don't want to do this. Okay, this is not something that you can necessarily recover from. You don't want to go eyes wide shut. I, my advice to you is. Either work on your marriage, focus on what's in front of you, and see if that is worth keeping. Focus on that, because subconsciously, this can tear itself apart very quickly. You don't want to go down this road. Or maybe you do, and you just like, you know, the fact that you can easily, uh, you like danger. I don't know. 
but this is a different situation and it's one that can really have some serious negative effects on your life and how it goes moving forward steer clear and maybe it maybe this shane guy shane doesn't actually like you all that much think about that next ah uh, next one can i tell my partner to stop making nonsense sounds at our baby Ooh, who's all got baby I'm a new parent of a five-month-old baby. My partner and I love our baby. We have different approaches, and I'm concerned that my parents, my partner's parenting approach won't be good for our baby in the long term. We're both introverts, so making conversation to promote language development doesn't come easily to either of us. But I try as much as possible to talk with baby. Talk with baby. What? But I try as much as possible to talk with baby. Narrate what I'm doing, saying, etc. My partner mostly makes nonsense sounds and so, or says hi to the baby. Soon I'll be going back to work and my partner will be watching a, watching the baby a few days a week. I'm worried the baby will be delayed. Baby <laughs> will be delayed because of not enough stimulation. I can't figure out how to bring this up without just sending like criticism. I can, overreacting or overthinking. Um, there's a lot of look, babies respond to all kinds of different stimulation. They don't respond to you reading the Encyclopedia Britannica or watching fucking CNN. They respond to all kinds of things. As long as you're paying attention to the fucking kid and the kids and the kids like acknowledging that you exist with being, you're doing the right thing. Okay. You're doing something. You're doing anything you can to get that kid to look at you and go, Hey, you're paying attention to me. I might not shoot up a school after all. That's what you want to accomplish. So um, these are the approaches you want to take. So if you don't want your kid to go full Columbine 10 years, 15 years later, I don't care if you're making goo goo gaga sounds, just pay attention to the fucking kid and eventually you won't be that mom who's crying on the fucking news. Get one more, let's do one more. Should I tell my sister I'm hurt she spent only spent $500 on my daughter's wedding gift. Holy shit. That's one hell of a toaster. My daughter got married last month. My husband and I paid for the wedding. My daughter, wait, my daughter and son-in-law are not big earners. Okay. It was a lovely affair. My sister and her husband came with their two children. They're extremely wealthy, like flying on private jets to expensive vacation homes wealthy. We are not. I assumed they would give my daughter a generous cash gift to be used as an eventual down payment on a home. Instead, they gave her five place settings from her gift registry that costs 500 bucks. I'm hurt and angry about the lack of generosity. My mother thinks I'm, I should talk to my sister about this so it doesn't affect our relationship. Uh, look, they're wealthy because they're fucking cheap. They don't spend money on other people. That's why they can fly on private jets and you don't because they only spend that money on themselves. So don't expect anything unless they were really uh, involved or unless they really like the kid don't expect anything from them. i mean they gave him some shit worth 500 bucks okay fine that's the relationship they have they showed up they gave him something they did what they were supposed to do that's the end of it it's not like those old italian weddings where everybody's like hey come here i got an envelope for you yeah say hi to your sister i don't know it's not like that at least not anymore um so i wouldn't make any more ridiculous i wouldn't make any ridiculous demands or talk to her about it. it's like that's maybe just how the relationship is. And that's maybe just how, I mean, you don't, man, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of weddings. Big fan of weddings. I know. I shoot them. Um, but some people just don't have the same connection to the people that are getting married as others will, regardless of how much money they have. 
and maybe you don't know. Maybe they did give him money on the side. Maybe they, on the side, hey, don't tell your mother. We got you a little something for you. You don't know. And at the end of the day, it's not your wedding. If it's not your wedding, it's not your place. Yeah, you paid for it. Well, that's kind of, that is still a tradition that takes place. But at the same time, it's not your wedding. It's not your place to say anything or get involved and leave it be. Those are two people starting on their own journey. And whatever they start with, whether it's zero or $100,000, it's their business, not yours. Okay? It's all, and just leave it alone. There are some things you just don't want to open up. And that all you're going to do there is create more drama. That's the last sip of coffee, which means that's the end of this podcast. Thank you guys for uh, everything over the past several years. Thank you for sticking with me through all the bullshit that's gone through gone through in my life uh, for not criticizing me too much. And, uh, you know, checking me out on all my other channels, uh, Positive Sarcasm, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, Positive Sarcasm Reactions, emailing me, commenting, liking, subscribing, sharing, donating, PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Um, just contributing, you know, or not, you know, just doing what you do. And I'm glad I'm, I have the the, uh, the ability, the privilege to do what I do and uh, get through it no matter how tired I am, no matter how, I mean, uh, just in being able to do this research and try to do my best to stay on top of all this stuff as much as possible with everything going on in the world right now, um, not getting too caught up in the misinformation. I can talk a lot of shit, uh, but at the same time, I appreciate the fact that I, I at least can do this. Whether it be great or poorly, I'm just glad I'm, I'm able to hear, be able to, I'm able to be here in the studio with this gear and get after it at least once a week. So, in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram. You can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you see fit. Uh, if you want to watch the video version, it's on Facebook.com/slash/POSSarcasm. It's on Rumble at Positive Sarcasm, and of course, it's on YouTube positive sarcasm podcast if you prefer the audio version number one you can download it and stream it from positive sarcasm.com or you can go to the many many podcast uh, uh programs out there stitcher uh, uh iheart radio apple podcasts spotify anywhere where podcasts are available feel free to download subscribe especially like and comment really really appreciate it in the meantime thank you for listening Thank you for watching, and thank you for subscribing, and I'll talk to you all probably next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio, this has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. We're rolling this. Take one. Teenagers from Mars and children in heat.